You're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. I think we're all pretty much convinced, I, I, I think this is true, that events that we are going through um, cannot be lost on God. Um, I'm past 30 years of age, and um, I, just, I just want you to know that. And in my short life, I, I, I have not seen anything like what we're experiencing. And probably none of you who are much older than me have uh, ever seen anything like it either. Um, so being that the case, and God speaks to us in ways that uh, we don't have control of. I, I, I pray. I was sitting there in my seat just um, enthralled in, in reflection and meditation and thought and prayer. And I just pray that as, as we transition through this wilderness time, that we won't come out on the other side the same. That, that when we, whenever, we trans, whenever we get through this, we will not be the same. Because I'm, sh- I'm just sure of it. God is using the events of the time in which you and I live, trying to get our attention. Trying to shake the things that can be shaken so that the things that remain can remain. You know, the, um, it's not part of my message, but uh, so don't count this against my time. Uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar uh, resisted God. And he was having a big party and a big feast and a hand was writing on the wall. And it, and it said this, you have been measured, you've been weighed, and you have been found wanting. You know, life does that to us. It measures us. It weighs us. And we want to come out on the other side and God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And it's so... It's so easy to get caught up in, in the regular routine of life that Jesus could appear in our midst, the Spirit of God could move in our midst, but we're, so, we're so preoccupied with whatever's going on in our life that even though Jesus is right in our midst, we don't discern it. We don't know it. We don't recognize it. And that's a very, very sad reality, and, and the Scripture speaks about that. The kingdom is in your midst, and you don't recognize it. We want to have eyes that recognize what God is doing. And uh, so that is our prayer. That's our hope uh, that we can hear and that we can see and God can speak and that we will hear and answer what he has to say. Um, you know, that this, I know that God, God rules over the earth, but Satan roams in the earth. We know that from Scripture. God rules over the world. But Satan roams the earth 
And it seems to me that the demonic is wreaking havoc uh, on, on the earth. And what we need to make sure, and what we need to make sure, and, and, and ask God to help us, is that make sure that he is not having an occasion in any of us to wreak havoc. Make sure that he doesn't have an occasion. And you may think there's no way he can use me to wreak havoc. Don't be so arrogant. Don't be so haughty. Don't be so high. But consider yourself of low esteem. And guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Because he would just love to wreak havoc. And you can just, you can almost just, it's almost tangible. And so uh, I pray, I pray continually. And, I, and that's really true. Uh, I pray in a continual prayer in my heart, Lord, protect your people. Guard our hearts, guard our minds, guard our mouths, guard our spirits. May it be of the spirit of Jesus. Because there's no question that the demonic is just wreaking havoc on the planet. And um, uh, so we need to put on the full armor of God and make sure that we are of the spirit of Christ as we, as we uh, move forward and as history unfolds before us and as we walk forward. I want to uh, speak to you this morning on a subject that I have, I, as I mentioned a while ago, I'm past 30 years of age. And I've preached quite a few sermons by this time. And uh, I have never preached on this subject. Never. Never preached on this subject. So you're, you are getting the first um, of a message. That, and, and the reason I know that, well, because I know what I've preached. And I keep, I keep a, some of my sermons. I throw away some of them. But I keep some of them. And I, I can go back through either some before I, uh, before I started to type them and print them and save them in a the digital form. I have... Uh, File folders, you know, old school file folders where you write, you write a paper, you know, and you stick it in the file. And uh, I have, you know, a desk drawer full of files and all kinds of different subjects. And, uh, and now I have it, you know, files on my computer and I can go through. I don't have a single sermon on this topic. And you'll understand why as we go through it. But let me read to you out of the book of Amos, Amos chapter 5. Now, I gave those, those guys just a verse, but I'm going to take, and it's okay, don't worry about this. Uh, I'm going to read you a context uh, around that verse, just a few verses. And this is, what, uh, this is what Amos said to the people of Israel, or Judah. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? The day will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. As though he entered into his house to rest his hand against the wall, only to be bitten by a snake. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light? Pitch darkness without a ray of brightness. This is what the Lord says. I hate. No, that's not strong enough. I despise your religious festivals. And your assemblies are a stench in my nostrils. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings. And you're going to hear those words. Choice fellowship offerings. Not the leftovers, not the broken pieces, not what somebody else didn't want. The choice pieces. Even though you bring me the choice pieces, I will not regard them. 
Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to your music or your harps. But let justice roll on like a river. The text actually says water, not river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Let justice roll on like water and righteousness like a never-failing stream. And it's important because, you know, the scriptures talk about this. When, when, when I made the distinction between river and water, the text is actually water. The translators use the word river because we understand that and a river is made up of water. But it is, it is, it is not a contained, a confined channel like a river is. It's, it's an overwhelming sense of just overwhelming flow of water. Like, like the waters from, 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 uh, from creation. The waters that covered the deep, the, the, the superabundant, the overwhelming amount of water. Not a stream and not a river, but a superabundant amount of water. This is what the prophet is saying. Justice and righteousness are a big deal in the kingdom of God. And I pray that that the Lord God will help me to speak. And that, that he will help you to hear. And he will guard my mouth. And he will guard our ears. And he will help us together to hear and to speak the things that reflect him and the kingdom of God. I pray that sincerely. We need to understand that justice and righteousness are big deals with God. Like the church is a big deal with God. The church is a big deal. It may not be a big deal to you or, or to your friends or associates or those who may hear this. It may not be a big deal. You can take it or leave it. But to God, the church is a big deal. It's his family. It's his body. It's his redeemed. He's adopted sons and daughters and they're called the church. The church is a big deal to God. And so righteousness and justice are very, very important to God. And the reason that they are, and this is the reason, and you need to really get this is that God made people in His own likeness. That's why it's a big deal. So when you treat anyone, when you treat anyone, how many people? Anyone. Any. Anyone. See, God created men and women in His own image. You've got you to hear this. And I, 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 I say this cautiously and carefully. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Any person, any person, I don't care who they are, any person that you disparage, any person that you look down upon, any person that you do not esteem highly, you, that's God. Jesus said, and as much as you have treated the very least of these, so you have done to me. I'm, I, it's a strong word. It's a strong word, but we need to hear it. We need to hear it. So the reason justice and righteousness are important to God is because they are both relational terms. They have to do with how people 
intermingle and how they work and how they live and how they have relationships with one another. And the reason there is such brokenness in the world right now, today, is because people do not esteem each other highly as they ought. And they think of themselves more highly than they do of other people. And that is not the nature of the kingdom of God. That is not the heart of God. And we need to really, really get this understanding in our hearts and minds. I'm so glad you went and got that. Yeah. All right. So there are relational terms. We are made in the image of God with, with dignity and honor. So every person you meet, you need to treat with dignity and with honor. Don't dismiss anybody. Treat every single human being with dignity and honor because they are the image bearers of God. So you treat every single person, men, women, children, whatever race they happen to be, as though they, you are meeting God. And you treat them with dignity and with honor because they are made in the image of God. They are image bearers. <clears throat> now we all know that that image is marred and scarred in all of us. But we are called as God's people to give dignity and honor to every human being because they are image bearers of God. He made them and not us. He, they will give an account to him and not to me. So righteousness is a relational term. Sometimes we think of it as an abstract theological concept out there, but actually righteousness has to do with how I interact with people around me, how I do business, how I do inter interpersonal relationships, how I treat Vicky, how I treat my children, how I treat my neighbor, and I do the right thing by people. And it really ticks God off when we act in unrighteous ways. Or we treat people without dignity and honor, no matter who they are. And it, it really ticks God off. I mean, the people of Israel suffered some very harsh consequences because they did not follow in righteous acts toward their neighbors. So righteousness is a big deal. Righteousness is doing the right thing in relationship with other people. Now, justice, justice is, uh, has, is a two-sided uh, coin. Justice has two sides. The kind that you and I are most familiar with is justice like the justice of the court, the justice of the sword, the justice of the gavel, the justice of the hammer. You did something wrong, you're going to pay for it. It's, it's a ret, uh, uh, retribution. It's a retribution. You did something wrong, you're going to pay for it, and you've got to make it right. That's the side of justice that generally we understand and, and connect to, and we get it. We're very individualistic. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's law and order, and you follow that, and if you break that, you're going to pay a price for that. Justice will be met out. You kill somebody, you're going to pay for that. If you rob and you get caught, you're going to pay for that. If you get robbed and you don't get caught, you're still going to pay for that. We understand that part, but there is another part that is the dominant understanding in the scriptures. There is this part of it. <clears throat> Man, I don't know what in the world. I keep struggling. 
So there is, there is that side of it. Don't take, we don't take that away. That's part of it. But the part that we don't readily recognize, the part that you and I don't readily recognize, we have this kind of an abstract kind of understanding out there. It's kind of like when I grew up, I, I knew what the word grace was. I didn't have a full understanding of what grace was. I sang Amazing Grace, but I didn't really know what I was talking about. I would use the word, I would use the word justice, but I didn't have a full understanding of it. The kind of justice that is primarily talked about in the scriptures is a word, mishpat, which won't mean anything to you. I'm just telling you, it's a, it's a Hebrew word, and the prophets used it. And, it, and it, it has to do with this. It has to do with seeking out the vulnerable. Seeking out the vulnerable. See, we, we, we like the other side of justice. You do wrong, you're going to pay for it. The other side of justice, which the prophets primarily talked about, is, is the seeking out of the vulnerable to defend the helpless. For instance, you'll recognize this. Be mindful of the orphans and the widows, or I will bring judgment upon you because you neglected the fatherless and you were not fair with the widow. You recognize that language. That's what justice is. Justice, from God's point of view, is that you, you look out for the least of these. As much as you have cared for the least of these, you have done to me. We get that over and over in the scripture. <clears throat> but that is not a strong message among us. It's just not. You have to go somewhere else to hear the message. It's, 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 it's a, it is the vision of a just society under the law. So there's two sides of the coin, two sides of the sword. The, re the, the retribution and the restoration. The restoration. I mentioned sometime, I mentioned either last Sunday or Wednesday night, I don't remember when I said it, but, but Dr. Tony Evans brings this to my attention. There are these two towers of justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. Mishpat, righteousness. And they are expected to stand together. In fact, God says, if you do righteous things, but you forget mishpat, justice, your righteous deeds stink to me. Just think about it. They, they have to go together. They're two sides of the same coin. <clears throat> if you seek to do the right thing, that's really good. But if you forget justice to seek out the unfortunate, to lift up the fallen, to defend the helpless, to give voice to the voiceless, then these righteous deeds stink and God don't want to hear them. And he says, stop singing. Stop coming to worship. Quit bringing me tithes. Go and do justice. And then come and bring me. You know, Jesus said that. If you know that your brother has anything, go and restore yourself. And then come. Don't come and sing to me. Let these things be put right and in order. Listen, Psalm, David says in the Psalm, Psalm 89, verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne, O God. Love and faithfulness or loving kindness go before you. Those two, righteousness and justice, have to be kept together. So righteousness is the moral standard of how we live in right relationship with others based on the word of God. Treating others as image bearers. Let that sink in your mind. 
living in right relationship with other image bearers of God, treating others with dignity. Justice, justice, man, justice is the equitable and impartial, equitable and impartial application of God's moral law, and that is have to do with how we treat others in the context of relationship. So, I hope that you got a kind of an understanding of those two concepts and how important they are to God and that his throne is established on those things. The kingdom of God uh, uh, stands on those things. And when one is in place, the other is of no account or God isn't all that interested in them. So I have a word that will be hard for you to hear. You probably won't appreciate it, but just, just try to appreciate it. Just try to hear and, and just try to listen and try to, to digest In the white Protestant evangelical church, which is me, white Protestant evangelical, I have been that my whole life. I was born into it, and I'm, that's me. I am white Protestant, and I'm evangelical. I am exhibit A. We have focused on righteousness and we call for righteousness, living righteously and holy and justly before God. But too often, far too often, we have neglected the themes of justice and mercy. Too often we have neglected those. Like I told you, I've been raised in the church my whole life. I have preached more years than I really want to count up. I don't have a single sermon on justice. How can that be? When justice and righteousness establish the throne of God, how can I not have a single sermon on justice? When's the last time you heard a sermon on justice? When they are foundations to the kingdom of God. And this is why our world walks away from us. Because we wag our fingers and tell everybody about what they're doing wrong. But we're really not known for going out and rescuing the perishing. And caring for the dying. We're not known for that. We're known for finger wagging. Jesus said to the religious people, human nature is the same. Whatever age you are in, whatever culture you're part of, human nature is the same. So Jesus said these words 2,000 years ago to the religious leaders of his day. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Now, if I'd have been in that day, I'd have been probably one of those guys based on who I am in my life history and, and, and whatnot. But he would have said to me, woe to you teachers of the law, you pastors, you preachers. In this case, Pharisees. Now listen to this. You give a tenth of your spices. Was something wrong with that? No, God told them to do that. You give a tenth of your mint and of your dill and of your cumin. Great. Now this just smacked me in the face. But listen to what he says. Now all those, now giving of your tithe is a good thing. 
from a pastor's point of view. Would somebody say amen? It just it makes pastors feel good when, when 7% of his congregation are paying tithe because it makes the church operate, salaries get paid, bills get paid, improvements get done. So it's a wonderful thing for a pastor. So we, pastors preach on that every year. I preached on tithe every single year since I've been a pastor. Think that impresses God? Listen to what Jesus said. This is Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. So you've paid a tithe of all these things, but you have neglected the most important matter. Uh, This is Jesus' words. You have not paid attention to the most important matter, justice and mercy. You see, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to communicate it. I can't shout it from the top of the roof and it make any difference. Only God, only the Spirit of God can do the heart surgery that needs to be done in His people. I mean, Jesus cried out and they killed Him. The prophets cried out and Jesus said, which one of them did your fathers not persecute? Because we don't like to hear that. We don't want to hear that. That disrupts our life. It messes with our our minds, it, it disrupts our lives, it takes our resources. But you have neglected the most important part justice and mercy. Hosea, another minor prophet, Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6. I read this last week, I believe. For I desire mercy, not your sacrifices. Well, God, don't you like our sacrifices? Yes. But if you're just making sacrifices and you're unmerciful, your sacrifices stink. I prefer loving kindness and that you know me more than I want you to kill a cow and spill its blood and burn it on an offering. So the Old Testament prophets pronounced judgment for the sins of the Hebrew people. And here are some of the sins. I just did a random search. You, you, you oppressed the innocent. You took bribes in the court. You deprived the poor of justice in the court. You hate the one who upholds justice. You detest the one who tells you the truth. You abuse your power. And, and you go on. That's just a quick search of the top five or ten that was on the list. And you know these because you've read the Old Testament and you know the words of the prophets. So here's the deal. We, me, and I'm trying to do this, allow God to help me to see with different glasses, different lens. See, we all have lens that we put on, and we interpret and process the world through those lenses, and we get up, we don't even think about it. We just put them on, and we interpret the world through those lenses that we put on every day. But what if those lenses don't interpret the world in the way God does, but the way you do? And you've never went to him and said, examine my eyes. Examine my lens. Do they reflect who you are? When I intermingle with people in the world, am I seeing them like you see them? Am I treating them with dignity and honor? Every person I come into contact with, 
or I disdain that person, or I shun that person, or I despise that person, or I avoid that person. See, here's the, here's the thing. I, uh, I went to district assembly yesterday, and our DS got up, and, and once again, the numbers aren't good. The numbers aren't good. The district was down by $100,000 over, over last year. Our, our, our attendance numbers across the district are down. Our, our discipleship numbers across the district are down. And that's not true just in the Church of the Nazarene. I read an article about a month ago that the Southern Baptist Convention lost 100,000 members in the last 12 months. You don't think something's going on? You think we could just rest on the oars and just coast with the current? This is going on across. The Roman Catholic Church has lost thousands and thousands of members. And we get broken out with COVID. And we have disturbing images on national news. And we have protest and rioting and and anxiety. And our senior adults are locked up in their homes for the most part and anxiety and fear and worry begin to settle in and, and then you know we can't go outside with the birds and the trees and the flowers and the grass so we go on social media on the news and, and that's just a barrage of negativity good lord what kind of mess that's why I'm saying we have to guard our hearts and minds and really engage the spirit of God and the kingdom of God and, and let our mind be dwelt on things that Jesus let your, set your mind on things above not on things on the earth because Satan rules here and he's just wreaking havoc So we have to pray that God will open up our eyes and see, this is, my, this is a big concern to me. I know, see, I'm, I'm, I said, like I said, two times already, I'm trying to get you to believe this. I'm past 30 years of age, but I'm watching the world change all around me. I'm watching values change all around me. Definitions that have stood for thousands of years are changed. Things were things that were once high priority in people's lives of, of, of morality and of righteousness and of of, of, of the word of the Lord and, and, and the house of God is diminished. If we as the people of God do not get this moment right, please hear me. If we as the people of God who are called by his name do not get this moment right. Yeah, that's what we're going to be saying. God help us. Because as you know, and as you've been told, and I have said two or three times, I'll say it again, judgment doesn't begin with the sinners. I go on Facebook, I almost don't want to go on it because I'm going to see church people condemning all the sinners. That's what you're going to see. Well, what do you think they're going to do? They're sinners. They're going to act like sinners. That's what sinners do. They don't have a God mind. They don't have a God focus. They don't follow the word of the Lord. They follow a carnal nature and they do those kinds of things. You can't dispel the darkness 
by cursing the darkness. Mull on that, chew on that. You can't dispel the darkness by cursing it and telling it how dark it is. You can only dispel the light, the darkness, by being a light. That's the only way. Jesus said to his disciples and said to us, you are the salt of the earth. You are, you, while I was in the world, I was, but, but I'm going away. You are the light of the world. And if you don't shine, if you don't, aren't salt, the earth is going to deteriorate. And it's going to, and in fact, the scripture says that it will grow worse and worse. And accept that the one who holds it back, holds it back. It will self-destruct. The Spirit of God, working through the people of God, which is the church, has a moment to be different, to think different, to act different, to reflect the kingdom of God and not put on our own lenses, but I say, God, do eye surgery. Help me. Help me. Help me to see like you see. See, Paul, the Apostle Paul was very zealous for the Lord. And he, and he boasted of his credentials. I have this and this and this. I, you can't get more than that. But he persecuted the church. He persecuted, thinking, thinking he was doing God's service. But when he met Jesus, Jesus said to Paul, Paul, what are you doing? And he touched his eyes. And Paul began to understand and to see. And i got to wrap this up. So you can't drive out the darkness by cursing it. You can only drive out the darkness by being the light. Exactly what Jesus told us. I had this circled in my notes. So I wanted to, You see, if you are... I was trying to think, what in the world did I mean by that note? If you are among the ones not experiencing injustice, which for the most of my life, I never have. I've never experienced injustice that I know of, that I have consciousness of, that I'm aware of. So, guess why I don't preach sermons on it? Guess why it's not a big deal to me? Guess why I don't talk about it? Guess why we don't talk about it? We're not experiencing it. We were talking about this Friday night. Vicky said, what are you going to preach on on Sunday? I said, well, this is my, my, my theme. This is kind of the idea of what I'm working on. And I haven't fully fleshed it out yet, but I'm working on it. She said, oh, oh. That kind of reminds me of David. And I, and I said, well, what, what, you know, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, David was king of Israel. And um, he had all the wives he, he could manage. But he had a neighbor, and his name slips my mind right now, the Hittite. What's his name? Help me out. Uriah. Uriah was his neighbor, and he had one wife. David had a thousand wives and a thousand con- he had He had all the women. He, he couldn't handle them. But Uriah had one, but he wanted that one because 
2,000 wasn't enough. So he makes arrangements and gets Bathsheba. And you know the story. Nathan, the prophet, comes to him and says, David, I have a word for you. Oh, tell me, prophet, what is God saying? Let's come to church and get a blessing. That was a little joke kind of thing. Suppose a man has a thousand sheep, but his neighbor has one little lamb. And his neighbor has company coming, but he doesn't want to kill one of his thousand. He looks over his neighbor, sees his little sheep over there, and he goes, I'm going to take his sheep. So he goes over and he takes his neighbor's sheep, his one little lamb, kills it and offers it to his company. David, King David, what should happen to that man? David said, that man should be killed. And Nathan said, David, you're the man. Thou art the man. The good thing about David is that he wept before God. The sad thing about us, when is the last time we wept? When is the last time we wept over the brokenness of the world? When is the last time we wept over our lost sons and daughters? When is the last time we wept over the brokenness of our culture and the ravaging? And we don't do that. We... I'm about to be done. What we do is we misdirect. We deflect. We defend. We get defensive. We go, look over there. Don't look at me. Look over there. Look what they're doing. It's like the old spiritual says, it's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me, Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. John Wesley said this, there can be no personal holiness. Now let this sink in, Nazarene. There can be no personal holiness apart from social holiness. So is there ever a time that we should be praying? And I'm hoping that you are praying. I can only trust God that you are praying. But there ever was a time that we need to be praying, it is now. Because I, I really sincerely believe we are being measured, we are being weighed. I pray the verdict will not be, you are found wanting. Because if that's the case, you see, deliverance is not going to come from the government. This is not. It never has. Deliverance is not going to come from, from social activism. It's just not. Deliverance is going to come because the people of God fall on their faces before God and pray for divine intervention. I've seen it posted, at least this, the world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus, but we need Jesus. And we are Jesus in the world. And if we're not, He's not there, not in any kind of way. 
So let's pray together for a spiritual awakening. Let's pray for our nation. Let's seek as much as it lies within you, live at peace with all men. Let's seek reconciliation with anyone. And who knows, as the prophet says, perhaps instead of judgment, the Lord will extend mercy. Perhaps instead of a drought and locusts, a revival in a times of refreshing might come upon the people of God. Because if it will come upon God's people, it can disseminate out into the culture. So, as a pastor, and as a dad, and as a friend, and as a husband, and as a mortal man, I'm going to sincerely, but symbolically as well, as a priest, as I preached last week, as a pastor and a priest before God Almighty, I'm going to kneel for my church, for my people, for my community, for my children, for my home, for my nation. Because God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. If my people who are called by my name will not deflect, will not say, well, it's not my fault. What's well, their problem? Look what they're doing. If my people will humble themselves and they will pray, I'll listen and I'll hear and I will heal their land. Guys and gals, we need healing. We need healing. There are lives ripped apart. There are lives taken. There is division like I've never seen. If we don't seek God, if we don't have an answer, bigger trouble lies ahead. So I'm just going to kneel here before God. Chandler, thank you for praying. And uh, just ask you to just bow your head and pray a prayer there. If you have your candles, you pray together. If you want to come and kneel and just kneel at the altar for a little bit, if you want to be excused, you can slip out quietly. But as for a little while, I'm just going to kneel here before God as a priest before God and a pastor and a mortal, saying, oh, Lord, we need you. We're sorry for the things that we have made it. But you are our hope and our help and our strength and our refuge. Our God in you tr we trust. You are the healer of broken hearts. You, Lord, drive out the darkness. You are the one that goes before us. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we, we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I will send times of refreshing, the Lord says. But he also reserves for himself. I will send pestilence. I will send darkness. I will send a death angel. I will send 
armies against you. I will send you into exile. Or I can give rain. Not mercy drops, as the old hymn used to say. Mercy drops around us are falling, but, but the showers, Lord, the showers of heaven, the rain from heaven, upon our church, upon our people. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.